everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 226 with a review of Star Trek Into Darkness. I'm Christopher Schnacy. I'm Carson Patrick. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, Carson Patrick and I dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases, television shows, and web series for the past week and beyond. Each week, you're going to get a couple different episodes. You're going to get some reviews. Uh, this review, or this week we have our review of Star Trek Into Darkness. You're going to get a trailer talk segment where we discuss uh, a couple different trailers that have hit the internet recently, and then a what we've been watching segment where we discuss all the things we've been watching outside of the podcast. How you doing tonight, Carson? I almost yawned when I <clears throat> said my name. <laughs> uh, that would have been good. Uh, probably not so good. Uh, obviously a little, little tired. A little bit. I'm waking back up. We we had to uh, to uh, boost you awake with a little. We had to pull you out of cryo freeze state <laughs> to uh, bring you. Also, on I was asleep for like three hundred years in a torpedo. Yeah, well, at least uh, you know a little speaking spell didn't rain you down onto the planet and then have a bunch of droids come and try to uh, fire on you. Uh, yeah. It's always to, good. Then we would have had to get Tom Cruise on his cool motorcycle to come and try to rescue you. <laughs> And then, I, 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 yeah, well, you know, I wouldn't be saved because I'm not, I don't look like Olga Kurlyenko. Yeah, I would get blown up by the, the robots, the drones. Also, I'd have to introduce the podcast by going, my name is Christopher Schneezy, and who are you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the good news is we are still an effective team. Yeah, so that, that goes under, uh, you know, the, how we were talking about quotes that, Quotes that, like, people quote that nobody really gets. They're not, like, quotes, you know. They're <laughs> not memorable quotes, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, famous lines or anything. Yeah, it's not like you can't handle the truth. It's, who are you? Yeah, it's literally, like, any... It's just, like, a common thing. Uh... That's, that's how we roll on this on this show. Uh, basically, anything that comes out of Ben Kingley's mouth <laughs> is, a, is a quotable source... <laughs> but you will be the best. <laughs> That's my best tattoo, Ben's King's. Ah, uh, yes. They know our secrets. It's my Harrison Ford narration voice. <laughs> that Harrison Ford narration sounded almost like the Mandarin back to Ben King's. They, <laughs> they really had to uh, wake Harrison Ford out of cryo sleep to get him to do that voiceover. Uh, that it's still, uh, dude. I, I finally saw for the first time. I saw a trailer in the theater um, on the big screen. You know, because I, I, I did too. I saw it in front of Star Trek. Yeah, I've only been seeing it. You know, uh, on the internet fifty thousand. It was times. approved to accompany this feature. <laughs> exactly. But when it finally aired, like it, it gave me goosebumps, as if like I hadn't seen the movie yet before. I was excited. Yeah, hopefully it delivers. Did it better deliver? Otherwise, I'm gonna have to like. <laughs> train up a little boy and just destroy the movie <laughs> whoa whoa <laughs> that sentence did not start off well yeah well i learned from matthew mcconaughey oh uh, yeah which we'll get to in our what we've been watching segment <clears throat> but anyways yeah we're here to hell talk of about- a thing ain't it hell of a thing <laughs> but we're here to talk about star trek in the darkness um you you were a huge fan of the first Star Trek, right? I yeah. Let me rephrase I love that. the first Star Trek. JJ's first Star Trek. Yeah, JJ's. I mean, I liked some of the other older Star Trek movies too. I mean, I wouldn't consider myself a Trekkie. Yeah. I enjoy watching the movies. Uh, but yeah, JJ's Star Trek. Yeah, I think it's quite excellent. Yeah, we 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 were both huge fans of it, and I know I've been super excited. I can only assume you've also been excited for Star Trek Into Darkness. Oh yeah. And we're both huge fans of Benedict Cumberbatch, so it's like if you have J.J.'s first Star Trek, like everything that that produced, plus Benedict Cumberbatch, it's like a batch made in heaven. This was a recipe, uh, <laughs> a recipe for awesome. All right, well, uh, what do you say we just start to stop talking about it and uh, watch the trailer for Star Trek Into Darkness and then get into our review? All right. mistakes but the choices you make could get yourself and everyone under your command killed 
but I believe in you, Jim. Darkness is coming. This could just be the beginning. Beginning of what? All-out war. I request permission to go after him. I cannot allow you to do this. Jim, you're not actually going after this guy, are you? Let's go get this son of a bitch. You are a pawn, Kirk. Sir, there's a ship heading right for us. You can't even guarantee the safety of your own crew. Now, shall we begin? I'm sorry. We're outnumbered. Outgunned. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. I only know what I can do. The ship's dead, sir! She's gone! So here we have Star Trek Into Darkness. Uh, this big old baddie has uh, launched a big old attack against Starfleet and now has gone and hidden on this uh, planet. And Kirk has to take his ship, the Enterprise, and go off through the galaxy and try to hunt down this big old baddie played by Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, Carson, what did you think of this film? Uh, well, I'm going to first start off by saying that uh, I really love J.J. Abrams. Like, I was reminded during this film of how talented this man is. Um, and I will say that I was kind of hating at first when they announced that he was going to direct the new Star Wars movie. Uh, but after seeing this film, I'm now very excited. I was, I was re-reminded, I guess, uh, watching... And uh, became incredibly excited to see him, uh, to see what he'll do with a Star Wars movie. Because I think J.J. can shoot space really well. Yeah. Um, and space adventures. Uh, so I'm, I'm incredibly excited to see him tackle that. Uh, because if he can make something this underwhelming, entertaining, I can only <laughs> imagine what he can do with a script that's very solid. Uh so I have to give J.J. major props for this movie because he made a two-hour and ten-minute movie go by pretty damn fast and for the most part made it pretty entertaining, um, even though it's uh, mostly very underbaked and underwhelming. Uh, I, uh, for, the, for the majority of the film, I... I just had so many mixed mixed thoughts and reactions because I was I was entertained, I was like not entertained, I was being, <laughs> you know, I was not clicking with the film, I was like being disappointed and I was getting pulled in so many different directions. It was just like uh, I don't know, it was like I was in like a boxing match or something. It was just it was uh yeah, I I uh I'll say this if you have four years to create your uh, script for your Star Star Trek film, and this is the only thing you can come up with, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of sad, really. I mean, I, I think the three of the guy Lindelof, Ortsman and Ortsman, Kurtzman and Orsi. <laughs> I think Ortsman and Kurtzie. Yeah, Ortsman and Kurtzie. Um, I don't know if they were just spread too thin because they're doing like every project nowadays, but. 
I just felt it was kind of embarrassing that this was like the best they could come up with. Now, there's a lot of stuff that I have to say that's spoilerific, and I can only talk about it if we talk about spoilers. But uh, yeah, I think the the majority of the movie is just just half baked. It's nowhere near as good as the as the first film. Uh, I walked out of the first Star Trek, JJ Star Trek, just completely high off my ass. Like I, I thought it was the most fun I've had at a summer blockbuster. I mean, I, I couldn't remember the last time I had that much fun watching a movie. And it was really saddened me that this did not attain that level of funness. I mean, and I, and I was thinking going in, like, it's probably not going to be as good, but I was wanting to be, uh, you know, proven wrong. And Look, I wasn't, you know, it still could have been great and not have been as good as the first, but uh, I just, you know, you get that, at least me personally, like, you go into a movie and you sit there and, you know, time rolls by and it's just like, you can feel it, it's not clicking and you just, you sit there and you're just trying to like it. And that's like the worst kind of feeling to have when you're watching a movie, especially one that you're anticipating. Um but yeah, like I, yeah, like, okay, I, I will give a lot of credit to um, basically the, the four main actors in this movie, which are Chris Pine, Zachary Quinno, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, and Simon Pegg. Like, I, I think that they get the most screen time out of the, the entire cast. Yeah. Uh, Zoe Saldana, John Cho, and Anton Yelkin kind of get the kind of get the shaft here in this sequel uh carl urban kind of gets like the one with the he's kind of in the middle but uh you know these are all great actors they they do they do their thing well but those four main main dudes like they really kind of carried this movie uh basically doing what jj did like making this entertaining even though it was like so thin on paper um so that's really got to give him credit, especially Cumberbatch. I mean, he's he's a great actor, but I feel like his villain was so wasted in this. Um, but even though when he came on screen, I was I got a little more excited because just his presence alone was enough to elevate uh, the movie in certain ways. But um, do do you have a specific thing about um, about his villain that didn't work for you? Uh, is it just because of who that villain is supposed to be? Um, which I don't I, know if we're supposed to be cagey about that yet or not. Yeah, but. it's partly that, but it's also, I just feel like, I just feel like he was underused. Like I, the, the moment there's that scene where he, uh, is on the ship, like the dark enterprise ship <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> he confronts RoboCop and then he's just like, yo, shut up, let me sleep. And then, like, if something happens, like, that was so badass. I was just like, why couldn't he just, why Why don't we get more moments like that? Like, I I was equating it to uh, Javier Bardem and Skyfall because I felt like their villains were somewhat similar in the fact that they were kind of shadowy at first in the beginning, you know? And then, you know, we don't really see him at all until almost midway through the movie and then he shows up and um you know is there in full force but i feel like in skyfall like javier bardem's character was just so much better written and like he just had a lot more interesting notes to play and his scenes were just like so memorable uh, i felt like cumberbatch didn't really have any memorable scenes other than that one part where you know he's like you should have let me sleep like i i felt like he just I felt like they, they thought they had this character that was like, whoa, this is going to blow audiences away and he's going to be something that, you know, la- it's going to be a lasting impression. And it really wasn't. Like, I didn't get that feeling at all. And plus, like, some of the reveals in it, uh, A, aren't that, re- aren't that surprising to me. And then B, like, he kind of wasn't really the main villain. Like, there was another, like, RoboCop showed up, and he was like, oh, you're kind of the villain. I don't know. Like, it was, uh, they did a lot of, they did a lot of, like, kind of twists and reveals. Obviously, they've been 
touting it uh, from the very beginning. You know, we got a lot of secrets in this film. And I kind of feel like they they shot themselves in the foot by saying that. Like, I I mean, them trying to cover up things and like, I don't know. I, I have to go into spoilers, but I will say... There are certain plot similarities to Iron Man 3, and uh, I felt like Iron Man 3 handled them a lot better just purely by saying, you know, by not saying anything. Like, they didn't go, you know, Lindelof or Shane Black didn't go around like Lindelof saying like, hey, guys, please don't spoil what we have in this movie. I mean, like, I don't know. It kind of... Where where exactly were you hearing all that? Because besides the character's name, besides Benedict Cumberbatch's character's name, I haven't, like... It ha- I, I don't think that it's been a mass media thing of, like, everybody, we have secrets in this movie. I mean, J.J. has spoken a lot about how, you know, he doesn't like how there's this want to, you know, there's this need to know everything kind of attitude. Like, we want everything spoiled for us before the movie even comes out and, like... uh you know, he, he wants, like, people to go into the movie fresh and have these things be surprising. And I know, like, on Slash Film and stuff, they've they've talked about how, like, like Peter Sharetta did a... And the guy from Collider, when they saw the movie, I guess Lindelof was there and he was telling the audience, like, please don't spoil anything or... I, I mean, I've heard a lot about, you know, there was... I mean, of course, there's been a lot of denying about who... Uh, Cumberbatch is playing um but just almost every interview I've read with either JJ or Demon Lindelof they've just always they've they've both said like this movie has a lot of surprises in it and that's why we're trying our best to like keep everything under wraps because we want people to be surprised in the theater when they see it they don't want to have that revealed you know beforehand and it, and it's just to me I don't know I mean I don't know I guess if you read into that a lot but I felt like it was pretty like it was pretty like well known that there were going to there was going to be a lot of twists in this film and like with Iron Man 3 I didn't hear anything about that like you know Robert Downey Jr or Shane Black didn't go around saying like yeah like our movie's great we got a bunch of crazy surprises in it so I don't know I felt like it kind of shot themselves in the foot by uh, by saying that because we then we expect there to be some crazy reveal and then when it happens, it, I don't know the impact isn't as big. I think I don't think, wow. and plus the way they're handled in the film, I don't think they're as impactful as um, some of the other films of late. I guess that have had surprises with their villains and stuff. Well, I I. Like I said, I didn't hear any of the stuff that you're talking about. I can only assume that uh, based on on what the rumors of who Benedict Cumberbatch uh, was going to be playing, because those rumors were the rumors that they were, that all of the questions were related to story arcs pertaining to the characters that he was rumored as playing. So I think that the that what they were going for is is um, more of a if characters seem if characters turn out to be who you expect them to turn out, don't expect the plot lines to follow to the letter of what you would expect based on who that character may or may not have been. Um, so I mean, I I didn't I wasn't following the circles of people that were having these conversations, so none of that registered at all. And I mean, there were there were definitely things that um, in the film that I could tell, even having not seen some of the past movies I could tell they were only there as references to other things. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a little bit of, of, of a sense of knowing that there were things that were, that were supposed to be in there to specifically call back to other things. Um, and I've read, you know, a, a few little things here and there about the differences. And um, I, I didn't really think anything was really being presented as like, even just watching the film the first time, like nothing felt twisty to me. Like, uh, I mean, obviously like the, the reveals that you're talking about, um, you know, besides the reveal of who Benedict Cumberbatch is, um, the other reveal, I didn't, to me, it wasn't a twist reveal. It was just a, 
characters now have more information than they had before. It didn't feel like it was supposed to be like, holy crap, the whole galaxy is now flipped on its head. Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, I think, I don't know. It, it It's not the main criticism I had with the movie, but I just, I felt like that they were banking on the fact that not they were trying to deflect as to who Benedict Cumberbatch was playing, and they I I I personally think they wanted when uh, you know the moment comes they wanted that to be a surprise. Well, based on the reaction that my theater got, it was a surprise. It wasn't a surprise. There was just a there was an audible sound that came from the majority of my audience um, at at that moment. Um, where you get the character's name and um, you know I don't know what that emotion was from all the people but there was a reaction from them and I think that was the reaction whether it be surprise or acknowledgement or I guessed it or um, oh I totally thought it was going to be this like whatever that was from the audience they got something and I think that um, whatever it is they were attempting to do they obviously achieved it because it did create some sort of reaction from my audience well i mean i think if you're the you know joe blow moviegoer who doesn't read into a whole bunch of stuff then i guess so yeah i i feel like this movie is but but i feel like if you kind of have been following it i i don't know maybe it's maybe it's more so but like when this this reveal happened i was kind of like oh okay yeah i expected that like i mean i i don't but i don't think that's that itself is the detriment to the the film. I mean, I was just kind of expecting, like, well, I mean, he was pulling a Marion Cotillard the whole time, just talking out of his ass. Like, oh, I'm not Talia al Ghul. Ooh. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I I think this is I don't know. This I, is a pretty I, that's this a, is a pretty that's standard, a pretty unfair uh, comparison. What I said it's pretty unfair comparison and a spoiler for a movie that's not that old. <laughs> I think it. I think it's a very apt comparison because they they went around com- saying the same thing. I guess. I mean, just like the way they handled it. Anytime somebody asked them, I don't know, but uh, I I feel like that. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like that there wasn't there wasn't as much effort put into this sequel. It. I mean, a lot of people have just been like, "Oh well, it was just a lot of fun, and it's a popcorn movie." It's like, yeah, but I mean. When you when you go see a movie from JJ, like I feel like there's you want something more out of it. Like you don't just want the the typical popcorn stuff. I think you know it, it didn't feel like there was a lot of heart in this one, like there was in the first movie. Um, and and I think a lot of the emotional beats in the film didn't register at all. Like they just fell really flat to me, and. Uh, I think also the biggest problem I had with the movie was the way it ended. Like it just ended so abruptly and it was like, it really felt like they just hit a wall and was just like, well, we can just end it here. I mean, that's, I don't, that's probably not how they, they did it, but it just really felt like they, they kind of like wrote the, not wrote themselves into a corner, but just were like, I don't know how we're supposed to end it. And then it just, I don't know. It just like, it just stopped all of a sudden. It was really weird. And you mean uh, after all the events in the film took place, it just suddenly stopped. I I think like you're, I think you're crazy in that statement. I mean, it's a complete arc had finished. Like there was nothing left to continue with at the end of this film. No, but just like the way it's presented is like really abrupt. I don't know. It just, it just fell really flat to me. And uh, I don't know, like half the, Half the movie felt almost like it was like you know how they do those like mini like the webisodes sometimes for sh- TV shows like Twenty Four they had, they did them a lot where they they put them out on DVD or online and it was like the little seven to ten minute short that like was supposed to bridge the gap between the previous season and the new season mm-hmm. like this is kind of what this movie felt like but stretched into like a two-hour feature like it 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 had that feeling that it was just set up for star trek 3 almost in some places i it really did feel kind of like like a fan webisode in most places but stretched out to a feature that happened to have you know 
the original cast and like a huge budget and everything. Uh, well, I think that uh, you may have absorbed too much radiation from the warp core or something because uh, I think you're talking crazy talk, man. Um, I, 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 I love this film a lot. Uh, it's, I, it is not perfect, but I think that the the problems with the film are more continuity issues. Things like you know dropping out of warp like a really long distance from Earth, but then suddenly being trapped in Earth, Earth's gravity. Um, you know things like uh, you know Starfleet not having a well fleet in their star system. Uh, that can be used to help defend against attacks. Like there, there's a bunch of weird things in the story that conveniently they just kind of skip by to get to the big action set pieces that they want to have. Um, and but that's all stuff that like I, the the whole movie I was thinking about it because I was like this kind of doesn't make sense why this is happening or why this is happening. Um, but outside of that, like I was totally fine with it because, I mean, I like I said before I. I was not um, going into this thing like, ooh, what are the secrets they're going to reveal? What are the tricks they're going to pull? Like, what is all that stuff? I was just going into this excited for another Star Trek film. And, like, I think, um, you know, to your two... uh, your, your, I mean, obviously, like I just said, I don't agree with the fact that this film um, ends abruptly. In fact, it feels like they tacked on an extra action set piece at the end. Like, this could have ended um, in a moment like a whole scene before the film big like secondary big climactic action set piece like there was a, 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 a like a finality of of the events that took place and then they tack tack a big action set piece on the end of that they almost pull like a lord of the rings um the, the the return of the king where you know there's like oh the movie's done we'll have these extra scenes added on to the end of it no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the very end. I mean, I have to. I'd have to go into spoilers to really explain it. But but no. But I'm saying that like long before that, the long before the scene you're complaining about, the film could have ended and it would have been a complete arc. Like it would have been. It wouldn't have felt abrupt at that moment. So they actually extended this film to get to the part that you're saying was the abrupt part. That's that's the point I'm trying to make. Is that like? Well, that would probably would have been better. That would be more abrupt than what you're complaining about it being abrupt. Not completely. I mean, I don't. Like I said, I can't explain it without spoilers. Well, there's a lot of stuff that happens like right at the end that. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of feels alluded to, and it would have been fine. But either way, I mean, I'm not criticizing the film for. I'm not saying that I was going to the film thinking about the secrets and stuff. Like I. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying like the way the story is handled is just I my my main problem with it is that it's super half baked. Like I don't think that this the the story this time around is as strong as it was the first time. Like I, I just think it's I think it's just really weak. I think I think what JJ does though is make something I think he makes he keeps the pacing really fast to try and distract you from the fact that it's not very good, but uh, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that I liked it. I mean, the movie looks great. The effects are awesome. Uh, I liked when they went to the uh, Klingon planet. That looked like something out of like the Power Rangers movie or something. That was fun, but uh, and like there were there were some fun moments. I just wish it had come together a little more. Why? And. Uh, like I said, I mean, I spent the majority of the movie like really trying to to like it, and that's never a good feeling to have. Like, especially for a sequel or for you know an anticipated film. Well, I, I and one that's I, I a sequel to a movie that's as good as the first. I still don't understand like what your problem is with it because like I I think that that all the character work is great. Like all the character like this is a a, a really funny film. Um, the interaction between all of the characters is is awesome. Even like the the characters that they just throw on board that don't really matter and that are just like suddenly in this film for no reason at all. Um, like you know they're there, but like in between all that, you have these just great like moments. Like you, you say, this film has like no heart in it. Like I I thought there was plenty of uh of times when you know, every single pairing of characters that have, like, relationships together, like, I thought all of that paid off and work, worked for me. I mean, just, 
Spock and Uhura, um, Kirk and Spock, uh, you know, Kirk and uh, Scotty, like everybody, all the relationships between, between all the main characters, you know, like the four that you said did really, really well. And even like the other few that got, that got the shaft, like I thought everything paid off and everything related back to the relationships, maybe not that, that were established in the original series or anything, but going back to the last film, like it, I thought it all, it all worked. I mean, really my big complaint about the film um, besides the the few little continuity errors, is that they they took the same they used the, they reused the exact same plot points from the first film to set everything in motion. Everything with like, oh, Kirk is not going to be allowed to be a captain, and then how he gets that back. Um, you know, like they they kind of like just reused a, a series of plot points. Um, like that felt a little cheap, and like that part of it, I feel is half baked, but. Just because this wasn't like a super intricate plot, I didn't really have a problem with um, the the what's really going on, like the what Benedict Cumberbatch's character has brought to the universe in the context of this film. Like, I didn't really have a problem with that. Like, it, it didn't feel like the most epic storyline, but what we got from that, like the consequences of all those characters' actions, I thought totally paid off as... Um, a fun thing like I mean Star Trek is a series that was episodic content and if we get film film if we get a film franchise that is episodic things like that's not that's not a downside like every I mean obviously you've praised Skyfall a lot but James Bond is really just a episodic thing it's there's a new mission Bond goes off and bees Bond and then we get him being Bond again in the next adventure. And Star Trek, you know, we had the the creation, like the origin of this timeline and this crew, and we had them set up in the last film. But every mission doesn't have to be that much crazier and more epic than the last. It just has to be them on the next mission being who they are. And like I don't I don't understand like what like what you expected from this film versus what you got, like why there's such a huge disconnect there. Well, I mean, like I said, I can't really explain it unless we talk about spoilers, but I will say if I compared to something like Iron Man three, this movie was not as fun as Iron Man three, in my opinion, in terms of like being funny and action packed. And I mean, I thought the villains in Iron Man three were a lot more memorable and they're sort of, you know, how they're handled and everything. I I would I would take Benedict Cumberbatch in this film over um, Guy Pierce in in uh, Iron Man three any day. I I just wish they had utilized him better in this movie. But see that that that's the I think that it the context of the story wouldn't work if they utilized him any differently than they did because the whole point of who his character is supposed to be is that. He, you know, our like I would say you, the audience, but I think that this film is built with you having an understanding once you hear who Benedict Cumberbatch is that you're expected to have pre knowledge. Like the film, entire film feels like you're expected to have pre knowledge of who he is, um, but it, but the characters don't. So the whole time, like you know, Kirk and Spock are wondering. Um, the whole idea is, can we trust Benedict Cumberbatch? Like, obviously, he's the bad guy, and they're going after them. But due to the way the plot rolls out and everything like that, like it's the the whole film rests on um, what is what is this man? What is he capable of? And um, can we trust any word that comes out of his mouth? And I think from that standpoint, I think he worked perfectly because if he if he was too over the top, like if he was your you know if he was in RoboCop scene mode the entire film there would never be a question of of whether or not um like or, or of of them looking at him anything differently than they are in that scene but the idea is that they are trying to make uh judgments on what the best course of action is and take the stuff that they're hearing from benedict cumberbatch and weighing themselves whether or not they can trust any word he says and i think that um if he acted outside of that semi-ambiguousness that he does in this film, that, yeah, it may have been more impressive and may have been like, you know, like, oh, dude, Benedict Cumberbatch was so badass in this, this role, but it wouldn't, like, it wouldn't have worked story-wise because, 
he would just be this monster. Right. I mean, if he had played the the whole role like the way I was saying, no, I mean, I, I'm not saying that he should have done that. I'm just saying that is the only memorable scene that his character has in this movie. It wasn't... And that's why I kind of equated... I don't know. The most recent thing I could think of was Javier Bardem in Skyfall because I just thought that they, they both had kind of the same amount of screen time and their characters kind of had similar motivations. And... Uh, I don't, but there's there's something a lot more memorable about about Javier Bardem's performance and like the scenes that he got to play and the way that they're presented and everything. And I didn't I didn't get that feeling in the in this in in Star Trek. That's why like I wanted more moments that you know would stand out, and everything else just didn't really stand out to me. I think I think that uh, in Skyfall the character is more of like a legitimate sociopath, and in this film Benedict Cumberbatch is he is less of a sociopath and just has this like superiority complex that leads him to act in the way he does. But I think that he he also has um, like his motives for his actions aren't aren't purely monstrous. Like he has reasons and things that he's looking out for and and what he's trying to do. Like I. I don't know if I can go as far as to say his character is sympathetic, but um, some of his actions could be seen as um, not justified, but not com- not completely the actions of a madman. Yeah. If that makes sense at all. Well, I mean, I can't really discuss anything else unless we talk about spoilers. All right, well, why don't we do that then? Let, let's go ahead and uh, just jump into our recommendations for the film, uh, say goodbye to everybody else, and everybody who wants to stick with spoilers, then we can have a little spoiler segment uh, following the musical fade out. Uh, but uh, Carson, getting into our verdicts, if you were going to give this a must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or must avoid, what would you give this? Um, I'm giving it a wait for rental purely for JJ elevating the movie. Uh, and like I said, I mean, this movie is not the worst movie of the year, uh, by a long shot. Like it's not anything that I would say it's bad. Uh, I just feel like there was a lot missing and compared to the first movie, I had much higher expectations um, for them to deliver on, and I just don't think that they they did it this time around. So I think if you seen have seen the first, you know, JJ Star Trek or any of the others, I mean, yeah, I would say like go see this second one. But you know, I might add like don't go in expecting it to be as awesome as the first movie because I don't think it's anywhere near that level. I uh, I agree that, that the story is not as strong as the first one, but I think this carries on where the first one started off. And, you know, the first one was like a much more elaborate plot, and I think deservedly because it, it really had to be to set this universe apart from the previous stuff, and they had to spend a lot of time justifying the existence of this new franchise. Um, and, you know, they, they did that in an amazing way. This, though, like I think is... Totally fine. I had a great time with it. I think there are great character moments. Um, I actually like Benedict Cumberbatch's character. Uh, I walked in with no expectations, just was hoping that it was um, a good film, and I I enjoyed it. Like there's there's no like I I would give this a must see. Um, I I have heard a lot of uh, people complaining on the interwebs. Um, obviously, Carson had a lot of problems with it, um, but I think that. Uh, besides the few like cheap outs of them reusing plot points to initiate all of the events of this film and some weird continuity things where it just conveniently setting things in certain places so that they can be used to facilitate the story later on. Um, I could have done without all those little things, but I think all the, the um, interactions between the characters, the comedy, the action, um, Obviously, JJ's direction. Um, I I thought it was 
awesome. Like I had a great time with it. So there you have it. Carson is waiting for rental. I am must seeing it. And uh, yeah, why don't we just close this out then, Carson? If people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, you can go to practicalcandy.wordpress.com. Cool. People can find me over at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get all the back episodes of the show. Um, you can follow us on Twitter to figure out when all those episodes go live at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning or like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilthewarning.com or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Uh, music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Star Trek Into Darkness. So hopefully you're enjoying that right now. Uh, as I said, we are going to let this music fade out. Um, so if you haven't seen the film yet, uh, you can just go ahead and take off right now because... Uh, in a moment here, we are going to get into spoiler territory and uh, go full-blown spoilers for uh, this film, as well as I can only assume um, possibly events that happen in some of the original Star Trek films. Uh, I don't know if you're planning to hit that or not, Carson, but... Oh, we're going to hit it. All right, well, we're going to hit it then, so <laughs> there you have it. Spoilers coming up for Star Trek Into Darkness and Star Trek... Um, other. Basically any Star Trek movie up until this from the time. past. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for joining me, Carson. I I boldly went there. Yes. <laughs> right. I, I boldly joined you on this episode. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Stick with us for spoilers in just a moment. and welcome back to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is Spoiler Territory, and we are going to be spoiling the crap out of pretty much any... Well, you can just health, healthily assume that we will spoil any Star Trek film up until the end of Star Trek Into Darkness. <laughs> We're going to spoil any movie in the history of time. Yeah. Um, spo- spoilers for all the Star Trek films, uh, Iron Man 3, and uh, <laughs> The Dark Knight Dark Rises. Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's Six Sense. Seriously, though, um, why don't you take me through some of your spoilery uh, things that you would like to complain about? Well, here's the biggest problem that I have with this movie, uh, and it goes back to what I said about uh, uh, Ortsman and Kurt Seaman or whatever, and Lindelof <laughs> had four years to, to come up with a, a story for the sequel, um, which... It is the most disheartening to me is that in the first Star Trek, which I thought was a was a genius move, is that you know instead of trying to stick to just normal prequel status and stick to canon, you know they created the alternate timeline where they could you know clearly they decided well okay this is how we're going to get around doing our own thing is that we can have this alternate timeline and our new cast can go off and have their own new adventures and whatnot and uh you know maybe some uh characters from the previous uh star trek installments will show up but it's gonna be our take on them or whatever but i mean the main thing was that we established this whole new timeline and that's how we're gonna get around uh you know not sticking not sticking with you know leading up to the original star trek i guess so, I, I mean, I thought that was what they were going to do. Even way back when they first announced, like, hey, uh, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch is not playing Khan. Um, I figured, like, well, if they take on Khan, like, they're going to they're gonna do, like, their own thing. It's going to be how, you know, when Nolan introduced Joker in Dark Knight, I mean, he clearly had his vision of that character. Um, but... You know what? Christopher Nolan didn't take the exact same plotting and everything from uh, Tim Burton's Batman. I, and that's what I think is like the laziest uh, move on the three guys' parts is that like th- the three of you couldn't come up with something like 
at least original to present Khan. Like I, I felt like, you know, they had this iconic role, no pun intended. Um, and they, they didn't really do anything with him. They just said like, Hey, remember Star Trek two wrath of Khan? Like that's considered the best Star Trek, you know, there is, let's just take him and we'll just switch some things around and then we're going to pass it off as homage. Like I really thought that was like almost kind of embarrassing that like that they didn't even really present their take on it. Their take was just, well, we'll have the same events play out, but oh, instead of, you know, Spock sacrificing himself, it'll be Kirk this time. And, you know, instead of uh, Kirk yelling out the infamous, you know, con scream, it'll be Spock. And then he'll go off and, you know, be a badass. And it just, you know, that's fine. Like if you guys wanted to do that, but it just felt, it just felt like major fan servicing and not in a good way. Like it did not at all feel like they were homaging, um, you know, Wrath of Khan. It didn't feel like that at all. It felt like that they just didn't know what to do in this and they, they wanted to use Khan and they're just like, well, we'll just do this and switch some things around. And, I, and to me, that was really kind of disheartening because I felt like I wanted them to, I mean, may, may, mostly I wanted them just to come up with like a new adventure. Like I thought that was like the whole reason why they created this new alternate timeline is so they could do that kind of stuff. And that was just disappointing to me that they, didn't go that route um does does wrath of khan have anything to do with khan helping the federation build a series of weapons that they're going to use when they start a war with the klingons i'm pretty sure it does yeah i mean it's been a while since i've seen it but i mean khan was a character that was was uh pretty closely associated with kirk and here i mean it's obviously different because you know, as we, uh, as Spock confronts, uh, not confronts, but consults, uh, Spock prime, you know, things are different obviously, but, uh, I, I, I meant to go back and look to see, but I'm almost positive. That's the whole reason why he wanted revenge is because, uh, you know, his, his people were wronged or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I thought was just like the most kind of underwhelming aspect of it is that they really didn't present anything new. Uh, and I don't know. And then that's why I felt like, you know, Khan, Khan is such a iconic role. Like that is, you know, it's like when people, it's like when Dark Knight came out and people were just like, well, I don't think Heath Ledger will be as good as Jack Nicholson. And then he was, like he did he did his own take on that character and it was, you know, pretty damn amazing. Um, and obviously the material in that movie was a lot stronger, but you know, he presented something that was the complete opposite. It wasn't, you know, here it was just like, well, we'll make Khan white. It's like, no, like, it's just so weird to me that they, that, that they just went this route and they didn't come up with anything original to me. Um, but that was my main that was my main problem with it. And like I said, a lot of the emotional beats didn't really work for me. Like in terms of like at the beginning, Bruce Green ugh, Bruce Greenwood dying like that to me just kind of seemed predictable. It's like, well, yeah, like I don't know. Like he like once that scene started, I was like, I think he's he's gonna get the axe. Like that's what they're. I don't know. It just didn't register with well, me. That 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 was my. I mean, the 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 complaint that I had about them cheapening is that like, it, all of it was a series of like Kirk can't be captain, uh, but we'll let him be the first whatever first mate, and then first, yeah, the yeah. captain has to get killed, forcing him to step up. Uh, like, like they kind of they, like it, it felt stupid to me that they started the film where he's the captain but they put him in a scenario where he gets that stripped away and then he gets it back the same way he got it the first time. Um, like that, that yeah. like, I did think like that was legitimately like dumb because we've eight, not only have we already had that pl plot line, but they had to invent a plot scenario to strip away what we already established and then just use the exact same formula to reestablish it again. Yeah. That, that sort of bothered me because that like, you know, that's, that's the half baked, 
half like stuff everything. Um, I have not seen Wrath of Khan, so I can't speak to the similarities and the differences. But um, it, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, Wrath of Khan is to the Star Trek series what Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight is to the Batman series. Like it was a sequel that completely just blew the first movie out of the water. It was like, whoa, like I did not expect it to be that awesome. And it was one that, you know, it was one that you could watch standalone or if you were a Trek fan, it was, you know, badass. Like you could basically, if you've never seen any Star Trek film, you could sit down and watch Wrath of Khan and, you know, you could totally get into it and not have to uh, seen any of the the others or the TV series or whatnot? But doesn't Wrath of Khan also involve the Genesis device, which is what you, was used in the first of JJ's Star Trek films? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So like they've already borrowed and used and changed things up. Like you didn't. Yeah, but I mean, with the first movie, it made more sense because they were like kind of the 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 paths were converging on each other like they hadn't established the whole alternate timeline yet i don't, i don't know it just feels like they've already kind of established it was okay to progress down this path yeah oh i mean th- they used elements from the previous star trek movies obviously in the in the first one and I, but I think they all work a lot better in that one. They do feel more like homages because it starts off. It's like, oh well, this is it. They're you know they're going with like direct prequel, obviously. But then once they break off into their own thing, that's when you get the sense of like, okay, well that's how they're going to get around not having to stick to, you know, the timeline that was created in the original films. I guess. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I like like I said. I can't speak to the the aspects because like all those moments work for me. Obviously, obviously Spock yelling it out. Um, even without having seen the other film, that was just one of those moments that I knew was an homage to. Like it, it was too weird and out of place. It didn't make sense. Um, so like yeah. I was like, okay, clearly that's some sort of callback. Um, and I mean, obviously him actually getting on the. Uh, the calm with Leonard Nimoy to discuss, uh, you know, who, what's up with this con guy? Is this cool? Yeah, to like, like figure out who he is and stuff. Obviously, that, that that was just like all supposed to be like payoff for fan service for people who had seen the original film um, or the, orig- the, the film containing the original characters. But like none of that really bothered me because everything else felt uh, steady enough to to fly on its own. Like it just... It, I thought it was fun. Obviously, it's a little, little out there. Um, but I, I, I understand your complaint because clearly we're set to go into Klingon territory now in future films because the, 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 uh, the event that could have potentially caused a war with the Klingons happened. <laughs> like yeah. obviously they didn't they didn't fire off missiles and like destroy an entire planet in Klingon territory, but. So, an event took place that is causing up for war. So if they go on to make a third film, it could just be this Klingon war film. Um, and that would be totally fine. Uh, but like, I, I just wasn't bothered by that. Like the little, the little things that I kind of, um, mentioned earlier, uh, that like bothered me were just little continuity things. So, um, as I said before, uh, you know, like they, they keep falling out of, of, of warp space as they're flying around and, you know, they're on their way back to Earth. They're flying in warp space. They get knocked out because they get shot. And at one point, somebody's like, oh, how far are we? And he's like, oh, we're like 100,000 light years or whatever. Basically, they make some allusion to like a huge distance away. And then all of a sudden, uh, they get exploded and the Enterprise is like, oh, shit, we're caught in Earth's gravity. And they're falling to Earth, even though they weren't anywhere near Earth when they dropped out of warp. Um, yeah. And because they were defenseless, and all they could really do is is move under impulse power, um, like thrusters, and like tilt the ship to line it up with, uh, you know, the the dark enterprise as you called it, uh, you know, and then suddenly boom, they're right over Earth, and now we get that big old action scene. Like that didn't make sense to me, it, and 
even if the, even if they had dropped out of warp, warp at Earth somehow, like he shot them right at the end of their warp and they entered in out over the atmosphere. If Starfleet headquarters is really in San Francisco or wherever the hell it's supposed to be, yeah. uh, wouldn't like they have a bunch of other starships like floating around in space <laughs> that could have like come to the Enterprise's aid? You would think they would see this giant ship falling out of the sky. No, but e- even before that, though, like you would think just above Earth, there would be starships everywhere. Like, yeah, that's our home world. Like there there's bound You'd to think be they'd other, send like, out like a distress signal and be like, hey, guys, we're in a free fall here. Yeah, like stuff like that. Clearly, uh, there's just some wonkiness going on that's kind of like, eh, it doesn't make too much sense. But like beyond that, um, like I didn't have a problem with like all the other stuff. I did just look it up right now. Yeah, the cargo containers were uh, a plot point in the in Wrath of Khan. The so that's what I thought because I remember they sounded when he you know when they introduced that in this I was like that sounds awfully familiar. Wait, what? The cargo containers? The torpedoes? Uh, yeah, the torpedoes. Oh, yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. So, but anyway, that was my big beef with this movie. Uh, obviously, like I said, it's not the, the worst thing you could come across this year, but I was just, I just left very disappointed, so. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I still think there's a lot of awesome moments in this film that are, I mean... You, you I gotta, mean, the opening scene is awesome. You gotta admit, though, like, Spock's a Vulcan cannot tell a lie. Yes, these are your torpedoes. That was kind of awesome. With a little, like, half smirk that he has. I mean, like I said, like, the acting was great, especially from the people who had the most screen time. Um, I just, I just wish it had been much stronger. And I, yeah, I don't know. It almost, and like I said, this, well, my girlfriend said that it felt like uh, Dark Knight Rises, which she didn't like, but I would defend that film in the sense that, yeah, that script was also really flawed, but the strength of, I think, the the direction in that and the, the fact that it was, it ended satisfyingly, uh, and I think the stakes and like all the emotions are what, you know, save it in that to me, those, those beats paid off and here it just, they didn't register to me. But I think if you, I think if you look though, if you, if you, if you do want to make the comparison to those films, I think in, in this film, it may be the plot itself may be the weak point, but I think the character points still stand and are strong. Um, in Dark Knight Rises, I think there are some like failures in the character moments uh, between like just some of the choices that characters make and 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 a few of those things that I think are why that film doesn't or didn't work completely for me. And I think that I'm able to look past the the story flaws. Well, a because I didn't watch Rathacon, so I'm not comparing it to its source material, but also because the character work is just awesome in this film like it, it just the relationships between each of the members of the crew make all the events they're going through even if they're either cheesy or maybe not as impactful i personally buy it because of who those people are and and the performances the actors are giving yeah and i mean like i stated when we talked about dark knight rises i mean i had a similar feeling you know the beginning of that film thinking you know oh this isn't this isn't clicking you know but i think the last half really brought it home i mean it it really is true that if you wow them in the end they will leave satisfied and i think uh nolan really really like pulled that off um that's what really brought it all together but in so yeah, that's why I was kind of trying to make that comparison that they both kind of had, you know, I mean, they're both like big movies and ones that were anticipated and, uh, you know, didn't have the the best story, you know, that had flaws, both, you know, in its story and characters and whatever. And, but yeah. Uh, so yeah. All right. Well, uh. I think that's probably all we have to say about this. Um, 
so yeah hopefully uh if people are still with us they i don't know got something out of that <laughs> if you if you agree with carson or agree with me or have some sort of middle ground between us go ahead and send us an email or something and let us know what you thought of the film uh, fan, yeah, fans. Well, I don't know what I don't know what Cumberbatch is going to do with all those suits, you know, for the Star Trek Three, oh. all those Iron Man suits. <laughs> he didn't even have suits in this film. It was at least funny when you made that joke with uh, with Mr. Gatsby because he literally had a ton of suits. He had. Uh, he was the man in the cool blue suits. <laughs> that scene where Benedict Cumberbatch hit that girl with his car was pretty intense. <laughs> <laughs> That was pretty awesome when he when he broke uh, Alice Eve's leg, because I was just like, whoa! Like that was like a that was a surprising moment to me because I was like, oh, I didn't think they were gonna go there. <laughs> I thought he'd draw the line at inferior women, inferior men. He can beat the shit out of. He can crush <laughs> their skull, in fact. But inferior I, women. I just didn't think that he was gonna go there, you know, and rip off RoboCop's head. So good times. All right, well. I think that'll probably wrap it up. So thanks for joining me, Carson. Yes, thank you for having me. And thank you guys for listening. Uh, We will talk to you, or I guess we will record an episode that you can listen to next time. (laughs) 